Hello everyone, and welcome to Battle City Broads, our Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast where we talk about every episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters, as well as plenty of other things along the way. My name is Ellie. And my name is Jenny. And we're back with the true beginning of Battle City, perhaps, since the episode is called This City Becomes Battle City, (laughs) at least in Japanese. And what a great title. I'm so excited. We're finally, we're finally, I I think we mentioned this in an earlier tweet, but we're finally truly earning our podcast name. An earlier episode? You said an earlier tweet. Well, no, I'm saying I don't think we mentioned it in the episode, but we definitely mentioned it in a tweet going like, oh, we're earning our podcast title. It's like Battle City Broads. And finally, we're broads and we're in Battle City. Oh, what a good episode. Do you have anything, you know, going on or anything you want to chat about before the episode starts? Or should we just go ahead and jump right into this one? Because I'm pretty hyped to talk about it. I do not have any life updates. I have a couple things on the slate, but I think next time we were, we record, I'll just update you then. Because it's all stuff that's going to happen. Hasn't happened oh. yet, so who knows how it will go. And I've I, there's a lot to talk about this episode, so I think we can just go right in. Yeah, alright. Well, let's get to it then. <laughs> As I said... This is episode 54 of the series overall. It's called, in Japanese, This City Becomes Battle City and aired on May 8th, 2001. And the English dub version was called Obelisk the Tormentor and aired on November 30th, 2002. Kind of a reverse of what I feel like they usually do with the titles because usually the Japanese one is like name of a card and the English one is kind of a more descriptive title but the way around this week that's absolutely true yeah and honestly so i think the dub names are usually better except for they're not good at multi-parts because they'll just be blah 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 part one part two part three that's boring Mm -hmm. but i think the dub titles tend to be funnier this one it's a very clear subtitle win yeah right bit of a weird one before we jump into the summary i have a general overall comment to make which is that the animation in this episode is great I, I have that written later. Episode animation, especially in the last scene, is amazing. It's so good. Like, it's yeah. worth it just for that. It's So I wrote it later in the episode because I, I wrote, does the animation get even better throughout the episode? Like, it seems to be like, it starts good, but especially like the last two or three scenes are just phenomenally animated for some reason. They wanted to really make an impression. Mm-hmm. If only it could have always looked like this, but I'm glad that we have this, you know? Sometimes the, like, wildly inconsistent animation quality in this show is, like, endearing to me. (laughs) It's part of the charm. Also, honestly, if they were going to choose an episode to be well animated, this one was a really good one. Because everybody looks hot as shit. It's fun. There's some fun dynamics and, like, movement happening. And what can I say except there's not really a duel this episode. There's, like, a little bit of one, but we'll get into it. Um, So the fact that they animated an episode that was just people chilling and chatting this well well totally more than that happens but you know what i mean you know yeah. what i mean the, the fact that they decided to spend it on a non-dual episode that there's not a lot of action in the episode yeah yeah exactly i know it feels weird saying action since the action is nine times out of ten people playing a card game but uh the holograms are moving in terms of you know visual holograms. characters on the screen <laughs> the holograms are where the action is that is true it is i mean that's literally true anyway <laughs> We're picking up directly from where we left off last week. Uh, Yami and Anzu have entered the museum where he intends to 
look to find out the truth about his past. And Yami is kind of drawn to a door. Like, hmm, this presumably employees only basement access doors calling to me, <laughs> opens it up and descends downstairs to a room which contains the giant tablets with the carving of him, you know, with the carving of the pharaoh and the priest that look just like Yugi mm -hmm. and Seto. And it's very shocking to him, of course. Anzu comes up behind him and is equally shocked. And Yami says, I finally understand... I am the lost soul of an ancient Egyptian pharaoh who has been held inside the Millennium Puzzle. And Taya's like, damn. <laughs> that that sure is a thing. Damn, okay. A little different. What is it in the dub, then? Um, can we just... I think you should say everything up to when Ishizu leaves, and okay. then I'll cover what happens in the dub, gotcha. because I, I like there's something a little holistically interesting that happens. Okay. A little different. Not, not as different as I was expecting. This also... I really love this moment, Yami. He, then he goes, hmm, well, if it's been 3,000 years, no wonder I've forgotten everything, which I thought was just <laughs> really cute. And like, he's right. And just sort of trying to joke and trying to make a joke to diffuse the tension about this really kind of dramatic revelation about his situation and who he is and stuff. I thought it was really cute. He's so good. So yes, as you said, Ishizu arrives introduces herself. She says her name and tells uh, Yami, for 3,000 years, my family has guarded the secrets of the pharaoh. Yami immediately recognizes that her necklace must be a millennium item. She says, this is my millennium talk, and it gives me the power to see the future. Yami's like, if it's a millennium item, are you my enemy? And Ishizu says, no, but the enemy who will soon appear before you... I have foreseen, is a man who holds another millennium item, and it is your fate of battle to face him for the sake of regaining your memories. Also, there's extremely banger background music track while Yami is, like, looking at the tablet and pondering his past that has not come up in the sub before. I'm pretty sure because... Normally I don't notice background music that much, but in this show they, like, reuse it a lot, so when I heard mm -hmm. something that I was pretty sure was new, I was like, ah... Oh, I mean, there's another instance of uh, music that I immediately was like, mm, had like an uh, reaction to that I was like, oh, we're going to hear this a lot. But that's that's coming up in a bit. Um, anything else Ishizu says? Um, I don't think so. I think I got all of the important parts. And of course, he also notices the like priest uh, that looks like Kaiba on the tablet and thinks about like, oh, is this, are we fated to duel? But Ishizu doesn't mention anything to do with Kaiba or anything like that. Okay, so... Different and also not. So um, similar start in that they come up to the uh, tablet and both of them are like, whoa, that kind of looks like you, Yugi or Yami. Um, Yami is actually not the one who makes the connection with Pharaoh because how Ishizu is introduced in the scene is she comes up and says, I've been waiting for you, my Pharaoh. And so she's kind of the one who like explains more. She does not mention her family or safeguarding anything. She just says, oh, I've uncovered many mysteries about you using the power of my Millennium Necklace. Okay, so quick, quick pause. Remember how last episode, I think it was last episode, basically the episode where Kaiba and Ishizu interact, Ishizu shows Kaiba that, like, vision of the past, yeah. basically. We talked about how that vision 
we'll find out slowly over the next couple seasons that's like that's not exactly what actually happened in the past or was like slightly distorted and I cooked up this theory that I was like, oh, Ishizu and her family don't know the full story. So that's just like her using the power of her Millennium Item to show Kaiba a vision to sort of like shock him into accepting yeah. the fact that like mm-hmm. he has a part to play in this destiny. So at least Dub Ishizu, I'm glad Sub Ishizu was vague enough that I could hold on to that theory. Because Dub Ishizu is like, oh, my Millennium Necklace has the ability to look into the past. Mm. So I looked into the past 5,000 years. I discovered a bunch of mysteries about you. And I saw that an evil sorcerer threatened to destroy the world. And there was one person with the power to stop them. You, Yami. She then calls him Yami. Very important. Sure. And says, oh, it's time for you to save the world again. And um, Yami's like, oh, how am I going to know who to fight? Um, And she says, don't worry about it. Just win the upcoming Duel Monsters tournament. There's going to be a Duel Monsters tournament. So just go win it. And he's like, oh, damn, okay. <laughs> Good, I know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know they didn't animate anything, but I could just imagine, like, Yami getting, like, a little more tense this entire conversation. And she, as he's like, fuck, ancient mysteries, I'm a pharaoh, I gotta defeat a sorcerer. And she's like, just win at card games. And he's like, fuck, okay, good, I know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't have to do anything extra. Yeah, like, thank God. Um. So, yeah, so she leaves, and uh, Taya even explicitly is like, whoa, so your name is Yami. <sighs> I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Stop doing that. Why? Stop leaning into that. God damn. I kind of hate it, except Yami goes, hmm. Like, he makes a very, like, not so sure about that one, Chief Noise. And immediately, like, looking at the tablet, he then, it sort of segues into him going like, oh, that's Kaiba. Kaiba must be the evil sorcerer that Ishizu was talking about, so I'm going to have to beat him at the Battle City Tournament. Interesting. The one, all Everything you've said is like, hmm. I think I... It seems good in a vacuum, but then knowing context of things that get revealed later, it frustrates me. Yes. Oh, another thing that annoys me is this entire interaction. Ishizu has been calling him King Yami. That I I hate that. That's bad. I actually that was actually hate important. that. I really hate that. Why are they leaning into the Yami name thing? That's really annoying. Because, I mean, last episode, they were like, the Pharaoh's name is not known. It was wiped off the tablet. So it's really weird for her them to be like... Oh, I'm just going to start calling you Yami. Yeah. The the whole thing about calling him Yami is never going to make any sense. I, I feel like it would have been way better if they had a discussion in the show of like, hey, we can't really keep calling you other Yugi, so how about we give you a name? Oh, how about Yami? And they just... Actually, I think they did in the dub kind of have a conversation like that. Well, no, except remember what he says is like, I've been called by many names over time. I've been called and Yami. Yami. Well, the thing that the dub... So I I agree with you. This whole thing is kind of a sidebar, but it's okay. We can have this conversation mm-hmm. about we, we need like it, a term we? for him separate from Yugi. And I think it makes sense that the friends would be like, we should talk about that. But they kind of settle in the dub sometimes. I, I from what I remember from after they find out that he's the spirit of the Pharaoh, they start calling him mm-hmm. like Pharaoh, which I think makes sense. But I don't know. I just feel like it's not that hard to get around the fact that this character doesn't have a name. Yeah. Because the fact that the name is a mystery is, like, is a pretty important part of the story. Of his character, yeah. So to have this weird misunderstanding of assuming that most of the people that are watching this are children. Mm -hmm. Like, to have a character be like, oh, so your real name is Yami. And have him not explicitly say, like, oh, I don't think so. Like, having sort of, like, a vague, oh, you have to read into it. Like, maybe he's not so sure. Is just unnecessarily confusing. And especially having a Shizu who is presented as a character that knows more than everybody. Which, she does know a lot, but she does not know everything. 
just out of the gate call him King Yami, which like bleh, is just like very disorienting. This honestly, the dub especially has a lot of trouble with naming. We'll get to that with the Bakura nonsense, but still. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if they really, really want the Yami name, it wouldn't have been so hard to have a Shizu be like, Yami means darkness and you were the spirit of the darkness. And then have him be like, I will use that name for now until I find my true name. If you absolutely must canonize that the characters are going to call him Yami for some, for whatever reason you like really want to do that, then I feel like it would be pretty easy to do that in a way that just doesn't add all this unnecessary confusion. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Honestly, though, one thing of respect is do love Ishizu coming in, just being like, let me explain everything, and then just telling you things we already sort of half knew, making things more confusing, and then just, like, leaving, like, so true, Queen, I love her so much. <laughs> love to drop mysterious, unhelpful lore, and then dip. Unironically, that's her. But something very exciting is about to happen, yeah. Ellie. What's about to go down? Cut to Kaiba Corp. Kaiba is testing out a new dual disc. It's the iconic V-like dual disc design. Kaiba also has his brand new outfit, which is new his fit. New iconic fit. outfit. New fit check. Uh, should we talk about the new Kaiba outfit? Um, I mean, I don't think we have to describe it just because... Everybody's seen it. <laughs> I just mentioned we discuss it. <laughs> Okay, I would love, that's what I was about to say, is I would love to, like, get a chance to just talk about it and, like, the choices that are made in it. You mean the arm and leg belts? <laughs> Actually, the arm and leg belts are stupid, and I, I'm obsessed with them. What I feel like <laughs> is an underrated, untalked part about this outfit is that there is buttons, sort of decorative stud buttons. They sort of look like buttons. Yeah, they, they kind of look like rivets or something. Yeah, they're like rivets, and they go all the way, and they're also around his collar. And I remember when I watched this as a kid, and now I recognize that they are studs. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, he could, if he wanted to, button it all the way up, including his collar, and, like, cover the bottom part of his face. Mm. And I think that would look really cool. I think he could. I, I think he could do that. I mean, we have no canon evidence that he could, but I, I feel like it tracks to me. I think he could do whatever he wanted. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's guy, but he can do whatever he wants. Gay people just dress like this. Incomprehensibly. It really, this really is pretty peak. Just add shit to this outfit because it looks cool. Anime character design. Don't worry about if it's practical. Don't worry about anything. I, I've thought way too hard about, like, what is going on in the shoulder area, right? That's fair. Th those are weird. What is happening there? What is that supposed to be? Those shoulder pads, they also have the button stud things on them. So you think they'd be a little heavy? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, are they fully stuffed? Yeah, is he wearing, like, a sort of 80s businesswoman, like, shoulder pad situation? He's entering his girl boss era. <laughs> Kaiba's always been in his girl boss era. He's fine. He's entering his aesthetic girl boss era. Oh, we also have to talk about the age-old question, which you might know because yeah. you're a Kaiba expert. What's going on with the boots slash pants? Is it all one connected clothing item? No, it's just it's just tight black leather boots over tight black leather pants. Is that confirmed? Because I feel like I've seen many images where there's no boot line. That's just stylization. Okay. In my humble opinion. The boot line might also be covered by the belts. I'm not sure. I would love it if this was actually all just like one black onesie and he just puts a belt, bunch of belts it on it. It is not a black onesie. There is a clear distinction between the top and the pants. <laughs> Where's, what is the distinction? The belt? Like the texture. Oh, well, so you're saying it can't be a onesie with two different textures? 
I mean, if you really want to, I'm talking about what I think is the intention of the design. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I think the Dark Side of Dimensions version, I think, is like a onesie, though, if that if that soothes your um, brain. It does suit my brain. Thank you. As long as I, as long as I get confirmation if that that at one soothes point, your desire to, to to like think about Kaiba wearing a onesie, that could be the case. But um, there's clearly a difference in like in the manga. There's clearly a difference in like how it's shaded from top to bottom. So mm-hmm. their pants, they have like a pants line, you know, cross Fair. zipper line. Like they're clearly pants and not a onesie. <laughs> So this fit check is very important, but I do actually want to back it up. Yes, I'm so sorry. No, no, I want to back it up and get into the dual disc design a bit. Because mm-hmm. I have a lot of fondness for this, partially because, like, many kids my age, like, we had a dual disc. that, Like, my brother was particularly into Yu-Gi-Oh! And he had a dual disc. I have a bunch of fond memories because of that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing at the implication that, like, of your siblings, of you, of your three siblings, your brother was the one you would describe as particularly into Yu-Gi-Oh! And not you. <laughs> Well, I mean, I was into the show, but I just never played the card game. That's fair. It's just funny And, like, I've held this into, like, this time of life. I get very little merch dedicated to the shows I like, even ones I'm obsessed with. Like, I mean, I think if you've, like, seen, you've been to my house and stuff, it's, like, despite the fact that I get really into shows, games, all that kind of stuff, I get, like, almost none. Just, like, for lots of reasons. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was in the Google image search for Kaiba. Yes. Oh, God. Please show me. And... I I found Kaiba's page on Villains Wiki. <laughs> yes, but what does it say? I'm sorry, just okay, so Villains Wiki is inherently very funny to me cuz I'm not sure if you've ever looked at it, but it's just dedicated to like <laughs> categorizing every villain by like their crimes and the things that they have done. Like every villain from all media. Kaiba's sidebar on this wiki is cracking me up, okay? Powers. This is Kaiba's powers. Exceptional talent at gaming. True. <laughs> Playing a deck full of rare and powerful cards. Genius level intelligence. Vast wealth. Business management. <laughs> and hand-to-hand combat. Those are Kaiba's powers, according to Villains Wiki. And then underneath that it says hobby dueling. <laughs> hobby dueling. Fuck yeah. And then there's a list of his crimes. <laughs> what are his crimes? Abuse, kidnapping, public humiliation. Wait, this seems like a kink list. <laughs> Attempted murder and blackmail. Those are his crimes. Public humiliation, I don't think is a crime. It's I think a it's a crime. Dick move. Public humiliation is a crime. Being mean to someone in public is a crime. <laughs> oh my god. I have to get off of Villains Wiki. Um Okay, so the dual disc design. Um, I'll, I'll hop back. Dual disc design. I have a lot of fondness for it from being from my childhood and stuff, but it's such a better design just because like I feel like it's so the problem with the old design is that even though it's like having throwing it like a disc or like a frisbee would seem fun. It was so annoying how it was like you just put a card in and it was like, here's what I'm doing. And it was just like, okay, yeah, the holograms. I like how there's like, okay, there's like, here's the cards being placed. You have to put the trap and spell cards and like the slots below here. And just like you're limited, you can only put a certain amount of monsters on the mm-hmm. field. Like, it's actually limited on the dual disc. I just like how it reflects the reality of the game more. It's good UX, is what I'm saying. Nice. Uh, he he had some good human-computer interaction designers. Nice. Um, but let's, let's, let's talk about what he's actually doing. Uh, can I say one more quick comment about Kaiba's outfit? Always. I have an anecdote, which is that one time I was in the food court of a mall of a shopping mall 
And I oh, saw yeah. a random person wearing belts strapped to their arms exactly in the same way of Kaiva. And I have been haunted ever since by the thought of, does this mean that that's like a real thing that people might just choose to do in fashion? Or was this random person I saw at the mall like, I'm going to take Seto Kaiba as my fashion inspiration and put non-functional belts on my arms. I, I've never known this and I've always thought of it. But wherever you are out there, mysterious punk I saw at the mall with arm belts, I hope you're doing good. <laughs> Salute. Me too. Me too. Um, but yes, let's talk about what Kaiba is doing. Well, he is testing out his this new dual disc. He has set up a system where there's, he calls it a dual robot, but it's basically a computer AI that will duel with a deck that's been put into this specially designed like, dual disc system. It is a physical deck that has been placed into the system. And basically, he's going to test drive his new Obelisk the Tormentor God card by playing it the, against the AI duelist. Oh, uh, he also thinks about Yugi and is like, now that I have this new dual disc, it'll be the stage is set for our true battle. And I, I do enjoy that part of the reason of Kaiba's reasoning, wanting to make the new dual disc was this will make his eventual duel against his destined rival way cooler. I, I love that for him. Gay. We'll say it's a little... A little bummed in the... He sort of mentions Yugi in the dub. In the dub, a huge reoccurring thing throughout this episode is the fact that he is doing this without safeguards. He's like, turn off the safeguards. That is so never that mentioned in the me. sub at all. There's no safety concern, th safeguard thing. In the dub, they're like, oh, the safeguards are turned off so the monsters could hurt him. They're so concerned. I'm like, what? It's all... Okay, sure, sure. It's like in, in Star Trek when they're like, we, the safeties have been turned off on the holodeck. And it's like, why is that even an option? Like, I thought these were holograms. Why did you build your system so that the holograms can hurt people? Why do you have hard grams? What's going on here? <laughs> hard grams. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that was stupid. And I was like, I feel like they could have yet again reworked it to be like, oh, this tech is experimental. It could like combust and he's like oh don't worry about that but instead they were like the monsters could hurt you i was like fuck off okay whatever uh mokuba is kind of up in this control booth watching this along with a bunch of kaiba corp scientist people random scientist guy is like will master seto really be able to beat this ai duel thing if it's using the most powerful deck out there it turns out that kaiba has put his own deck into the AI opponent with his three blue eyes and then he's using presumably just a new deck that he built around the obelisk card um, and Mokupa's like excuse you uh pretty sure my big brother has got this in the bag don't worry about it and is offended that the lackey has dared to question which is cute very interesting because in this case Mokuba's like oh I'm so nervous like what's gonna happen I don't think he should have done this and everybody's like it's what Mr. Kaiba ordered so uh, he definitely does get a little bit nervous about it but he is still like uh no I believe in him yeah uh, so within the first few turns, the dual robot has managed to summon the first blue eyes, which also provides an opportunity for the show to remind us of the rules update that you now must tribute uh, lower level monsters by sacrificing them in order to summon a higher level monster. I know we don't talk about the dual game too much 
on the duel game, dueling too much on this show, but I have to say, I think that's a phenomenal rule. I think it actually, it's very interesting that like, they don't specify who came up with these rules. I believe Kaiba, but like, he's kind of rebalancing the game. And this actually does huge good work at making it so that like, you have a good strong card, monster card, and you don't just completely fucking dominate. Like the, this monster sacrifice rule is, I think, actually really stellar. I remember as a kid, it annoyed the shit out of me and I kept forgetting to do it. But I think it's, like, a really good rebalancing, and, like, it is pretty seamlessly introduced. So good on Kaiba. Shocked that he would create a strat- or, like, allow for- be like, what? Allowing for strategies that aren't just complete beatdown? But he's like, doesn't matter, I'll beat them down anyway, I guess. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I liked in this episode and also the next one, um, I definitely noticed that we have fully transitioned to the period of the show where, like, Everything that they do in the rules is valid according to the real-life card game rules. It feels also like they're being more specific about saying what they're doing. Where they're like, I'm going to tribute this and this to summon this and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the robot uh, manages to summon the other two blue eyes and fuse them into ultimate blue eyes. White dragon, the fusion of the three. I would like to pause for a moment and discuss a, a meme. So when Kaiba sees the ultimate blue eyes, he gets like all excited and he goes beautiful which in japanese is hutsukushi and this like moment of him saying this is a massive meme in mostly the japanese Yu-Gi-Oh fandom but let me link you to this video i find it very fun let me link you to this video real quick hang on that's really funny to me um because there's a slight meme that it was mostly from the Yu-Gi-Oh! Bridge series that they, like, latched onto it. But there's a dub line from earlier where, like, it seems like the dual robot isn't doing that well. And mm-hmm. Mokuba says, what a digital dummy. <laughs> That's a good, yes, I remember that. I think this season in particular, there's gonna be lots of visceral moments where I'm like, oh, I have, like, not just a visceral reaction to that line, but also the fact that that line got, like, used a lot in the Abridged series. <laughs> nice. uh, it, it is. It was funny, though. Got me, gave me a chuckle. But, uh, yeah, I'll watch this video. Let's go. Yeah, please watch this 10-second clip. Damn. <laughs> Damn, okay. He's, like, into them. He, like, smiles so sweetly. Uh, the way he says it is... So, the actual... I did a little research because I was like, why is this a meme? It is funny, but why is this a meme? But um, the actual word is utsukushi, and he adds, like, an F sound at the beginning. And um, as the original uploader on YouTube said... In which Seto Kaiba is so moved by the beauty of Blue Eyes' ultimate dragon that he can't even say beautiful correctly. So it's basically like he's he's stumbling over his words. You know, so it would be like if in English, I don't know, because it starts with a vowel, it would be like if he was trying to say, like, amazing, but he instead he said, amazing, or something like that with a sound at the beginning, you know. Oh my god. If I speak, I will be deleted because spoilers, but... And it's just very funny. And also my other favorite fun fact about this is that I found out that apparently it's a minor meme in the Japanese Yu-Gi-Oh! like shipping community is that... Okay, yeah. If you post any like male-male pairing with Kaiba, people will comment Futsukushi, but with the first... The fu in the first character, it like replaced with the fu that is in the word Fujoshi. Oh my god. (laughs) 
which I think is a really good pun. <laughs> like, I appreciate that from a distance in a language I don't speak. Wait, for the listeners, Fujoshi... How do you Everybody this? who listens to this podcast knows what a Fujoshi is. That's not true. I know my sister still listens as well as her, like, her boyfriend's family. <laughs> Fujoshi just means someone, presumably female, who fangirls over uh, male male ships. It just means you like Yaoi, basically. <laughs> I love you're like, everyone knows. And I was like, don't you want a diverse audience, Ellie? No, I want a Fujoshi-only audience. Just kidding. <laughs> you want a Fujoshi- um, if you're not a Fujoshi, please stop listening to this podcast immediately. You're not welcome here. Just kidding. I love you. I mean, I think we both qualify as such, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Only because it's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, okay, so yeah, he's stunned by their beauty. Does he say anything else in the dub? He says something that really annoys me. Well, A, there's something annoying where everybody's freaking out because they're like, with the safeguards down, the dragons could hurt you. Oh, which is stupid. Then Kaiba says something that genuinely actually pissed me off. He's like, this is what fear feels like. This is what... This must be what Yugi felt like staring down my dragons. Yeah. I was like, okay, fair, valid. And he was like, well, even he couldn't beat them. And I was like, yes, he literally <laughs> he, did. He literally <laughs> did. I was like, what That's are you talking so about? Funny. He, he choked them with a million hairy balls. We've already established this. You got Karibo. No, in the sub, that line is, Yugi, this is what you felt like facing off against me. Intense fear, but you conquered it by believing in your cards. So that's what I'll have to it's do. It's so stupid in the dub. He's literally like, even Yugi couldn't beat this card. And I was like, he literally did. He <laughs> literally did. And then he says, fear is the duelist's greatest enemy. He just bursts into the dune chant. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little ball that brings obliteration and it's Karibo. I think Kaiba would like dune. I think Kaiba would love Dune. Kaiba would unfortunately watch Dune and look at Paul Atreides and be like, he's just like me, but not learn that that's bad. <laughs> he, damn, he's just like me for real. And everyone's like, oh no. Kaiba's like, I can relate to this so much. <laughs> Wish my dad was good though. Wish I had a good dad, but also Paul Atreides. He's just like me for real. What if instead of Big Worm... Big dragon. Big worm with a Y. I wish Kaiba had a hot mom with psychic powers. We don't know that. Unfortunately, she she passed away, but she might have. That's true. We don't know that Kaiba's mom wasn't a MILF like Lady Jessica. A psychic MILF, not just a regular MILF, a psychic MILF. A powerful member of the, how do you say it? Bene Gesserit? Bene Gesserit. Bene Gesserit, yeah. I still haven't watched the movie, so I only know how I read it in my brain when I've read the book. Oh, it's so good. I need to finish the book first. I'm really close to the end, but I just keep forgetting. Okay, fair. Anyway. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, where, where are we? Yes. So, Kaiba's like, I'll bet everything on this next card, just because, you know, he can, and that's a classic Yu-Gi-Oh thing to do. Um, of course, he draws it, and it is his new god card, Obelisk the Tormentor. He summons it by sacrificing the monsters on his field. And we also get a really entertaining technology moment where 
And this must be what the dub turned into, like, the safeguards. But in the sub, they're just like, the card's attack is too powerful for the computer to process. And so there's, like, sparks flying everywhere and lightning. And it's like, oh, no, it's so dangerous. Well, we need to establish, at this point, they play for the first time the Egyptian god theme, which, like, I can't really do because I can't really, like, holler. But, like, it's very good, like, operatic, like, hmm. I didn't hear... I think that might be a four kids only thing because I know that the dub changes the soundtracks a lot, but I would have to check it out. It plays every time a god is summoned, mm -hmm. and honestly, it slaps. It really gets you. It's like kind of spooky and good, and it gets me like I I was shocked by the fact that like I got some goosebumps listening to it, and it's like it's a little silly, but it gave me goosebumps. I was like, damn, okay. Yu-Gi-Oh obelisk. It's for all gods, by the way. Anytime a god card is summoned in the dub. I mean, like, uh, YouTube searches are showing me separate tracks for each of the gods. Ooh, maybe I'll eat my words. The obelisk one is good, though. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think that music is, um, is dub only. Okay, well, regardless. Kaiba is being overdramatic about his dragons, as always. So he says, what? Forgive me, ultimate dragon. I'll lay you to rest with the hand of God. <laughs> and then, um... <laughs> I love him so much. Sorry, in the dub, he just is like, when this power of is the tormentor, it's, I love that he's like, don't worry, you deserve to only be destroyed by a god. I'm like, god fucking damn it, you son of a bitch. Obelisk punches ultimate blue eyes to death. Kaiba has one. And then, wait, sorry, let me check something real quick. God, that's so fucking funny. A late with the hand of a god. <laughs> Get a job. It's kind of... <laughs> he has a job. This literally is his job. Even worse. He's a CEO and this is what he's spending the company money on. You know what? It does clearly make them a lot of money though, so I can't be too much of a hater. Oh, yeah. And he thinks to himself also, this is just the one card. There are two more god cards. And if I could have all three of them, then I would truly become the king of duelists. And then he mm -hmm. laughs. He does his amazing evil laugh dramatically with obelisk rising behind him. It's great. This episode is great for appreciating Kaiba's Japanese voice actor. Shout out to uh, Kenjiro Suda. Really put everything into this one. <laughs> He's mm -hmm. so good. It's, it's really fun. I really like his... It's just always fun to watch Kaiba be dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, end of that scene. We return to Yami and Anzu walking back from their, like, museum visit. Yami says to Anzu, Hey, my partner does not know that I came here to look at this. Can you just not tell Yuki? Because I'm worried that if I get my memories back, then I won't be able to stay with him. And I don't want him to start worrying about that possibility. And Anzu reacts with kind of some surprise and then, but she agrees, of course. And then Yami takes out the deck, their deck, and he says to her, um, this deck that we built together and the day that he learns the truth about me will be when this deck uh, unlocks its true power and potential. Interesting. Maybe some interesting foreshadowing. I honestly don't remember the details of how this, like, Yugi doesn't know that Yami... I don't remember how that plot subplot resolves, actually. Damn, way fucking better than what they talk about in the dub. What do they talk about in the dub? 
Taya says, oh, we got this invitation and said the tournament's going to be announced tonight. So it looks like Ashizu was right. And Yami's basically like, I don't know if everything she says was true, but I do know it's my destiny to like win this tournament. Um, when he takes out the deck, he's just like, this deck has never let me down before. So as long as Yugi and I stick together, we can win and unlock the mysteries of my past. So nothing about not telling Yugi or... Huh. It's kind of a bummer which, to take that out. Because I think that's like an interesting, yeah. you know, relationship yeah. plot thread. Also, at this point, I don't know what happens in the sub, but in the dub, they just hear like what I can only describe. I, I actually want to do an audio request. They hear like a cackle. Like they just hear... A, ca- a woman's cackle and i was like yeah like i totally forgot and i, yeah. I like, started fist pumping <laughs> my is here not a cackle in the sub she's just like yugi hi and then just anzu and then um she runs up so it's it's my valentine uh my kujaku she's here she looks great she's very happy to see them she grabs uh anzu and kind of like gives her a nogi and is like are you two on a date <laughs> It's really cute. In the dub, she doesn't say that, but it's implied. She's kind of like, does the noogie, and then is like, ooh, you're looking really good, Taya. Something special going on. Also, we, we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this scene in particular is just animated so fucking well. Like, all the expressions, the lighting, everything about it is phenomenal. They all look hot as shit. It's great. It is. Yami's like, oh, my, it's great to see you, but why are you here? And she, this is, they, they didn't get an invitation in the sub she she says well so it leaked on the internet there was a message saying that all duelists should meet where the engravings of cards and the ancient duelists both rest and then there was a date and a time so people deduced that that must refer to this museum today mm. and then my note says i can't believe kaiba and ishizu invented args <laughs> and viral marketing <laughs> Yeah, in this case, there's, it's pretty explicitly an invitation, but it's like nobody knows who the invitation is from. Ah. Um, though actually, it's really funny because they're like, we don't know who it is. And, uh, and Taya's like, wow, that's so interesting. And Yami and Mai are like, we both are pretty sure we know who it is, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Like, both of them are immediately like, there's only one asshole who would do this. There's only one overdramatic bitch who would set this up. Mm-hmm. Also, then there's this really funny... You're supposed to take this seriously, but to me, this was hilarious. Yami's like, I sense a murderous and intense aura from the people in this town square. And it looks around. He's like, everyone here is a duelist and they're out for the kill. And it's just like, okay. (laughs) And uh, we see also that besides my other duelists that we are familiar with, Rex Raptor and Weevil Underwood have returned. And there is also a... Oh, and um, Meiko Tsunami. And then another person that Mai calls out as being known in the dueling community, but who we have not Mm -hmm. met before, is a short guy with green hair who uh, she says is Esper Roba, the psychic duelist. So he clearly moves in the same, like, pro-duelist circles as those other guys, but it's the first time we've seen him. Yeah, he won't come up again. We won't see him. (laughs) Uh, Now that all of these duelists are gathered suddenly all of the screens of this uh, town square. So it's kind of like a, you know, urban city square with buildings that have like big screens on the side. And suddenly all of the screens on the side of the buildings all light up and Kaiba appears on all of them to announce the new tournament. This will be the Battle City tournament. And um, the rules for entrance for all these gathered duelists are 
we're gonna he says we're gonna use the new battle city version of the rules which presumably they like have access to but that's all of the like now we need tribute summons and you know now we have to follow the real card game rules the other rules are Mm -hmm. everyone must use the brand new dual disc to play this seems to also be like the like moment when he's announcing the dual disc to the public yeah which at first i was like this doesn't make any sense how is he just gonna say oh everybody needs one but then we will learn in the next episode which this is not a spoiler that like if you're a high enough ranked duelist they just give you one for free so it's just like a promo thing Mm -hmm. so i was like okay that makes sense it's fine and then the final important rule for the tournament is that all entrants must have at least one rare card in their deck and that there's an ante where if you win then you get to take your opponent's uh like rarest card that they put up as ante also a very kaiba rule so well of course we know that like they set it up this way because they want to collect the egyptian god cards um next up we have what i can only describe as kaiba helicopter moment (laughs) a helicopter dramatically descends from the sky It opens up and Kaiba is standing, like, leaning out of the door of the helicopter, looking down below and posing dramatically with his coat whipping in the wind. It is one of the most iconic, just over-dramatic Kaiba moments. And he also thinks to himself, like, ah, so Yugi is here and looks directly at him, which... I can't believe he really took this fucking helicopter, like, purely for the drama of it all, but also just to see Yugi. Can we talk about, um, so in the Japanese, is there, like, commentary from the crowd besides just, like, general cheering? I think they're just like, whoa, it's Kaiba or something like okay, that. Okay, in the dub, each time he says something, there are, like, there's, like, general cheering and, like, whoa. But each time there's also three or four distinct sentences said and they had me fucking rolling on the floor laughing. Uh, uh, honest to God, R-O-F-L for one of these. A, a true rafflecopter, if you will. <laughs> because, <laughs> a true rafflecopter. Because of the helicopter. <laughs> okay, so what he says is basically he's explaining the rules. And at one point, so people are like, you're so cool. We love you. Like, they literally say that. And I was like, that's funny. Like, same, but also. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, you can't yell that. And like, whatever. Um, At one point, he's like, it's going to make Pegasus's tournament look like a joke. And one of them goes like, Pegasus has nothing on you. We love you. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) I literally, like, fell to the floor. It was so fucking funny. So, yeah, he's up on that helicopter, having the time of his life. One more quick comment. My last note for this episode, my last funny note for this episode, is simply the line, gay helicopter eye contact. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much what I was going to say, which is that there's this intense eye contact moment between, between him and Yami, like, looking up from the ground, and they just look at each other, and the wind is blowing dramatically, and... This is in every pride shipping AMV, and I know because I've watched, like, all the good ones. Um, <laughs> of course. But, yeah. The best thing is this isn't even the first part he's going to project his his face all over a bunch of screens like this. I mean, it's such an iconic piece of Kaiba behavior that they include it in the opening sequence. So. That's true. Oh, speaking of openings, by the way, this will come up next episode as well, but this episode, still for the dub, still the old episode with Pegasus. That's really weird. Why wouldn't they just do the... Change it? New one. I think it's because, I think the new one, they're like, oh, it has, like, spoilers, but I'm curious 
when they're going to decide to change it. So I'm I'm just mm. keeping a tally, and we'll see when they change it. But still, if you watch this, you'd be like, oh yeah, there's Pegasus. Like, none of the new people have showed up yet. I mean, anime openings are pretty infamous for containing spoilers. Like, I mean, the Japanese opening literally has... How do I phrase this with no spoilers? If I say it has a shot of Merrick with his shirt off, do you get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so, spoiler, his nipples hold many secrets. <laughs> yeah. Okay, interesting. Damn, okay. I mean, that doesn't mean that much. Exactly. It's one of those things where anime openings will just have iconic moments, but until you see them in context, you don't get it. They're not meaningful, yeah. That's, that's an, honestly, Merrick with his shirt off is an excellent example of, like, this means nothing to me if you're just looking at it, even if you watch Yu-Gi-Oh! But, like, at the end of the season, or in a couple seasons, depending on how you view it, the, the season, we're gonna be like, ah! Yeah. Also, okay, sorry, it just reminded me of our mutual friend, Nola, who accidentally spoiled Jojo's Bizarre Adventure for herself by watching the opening too many times before she had finished one of the seasons, and... Spoilers for part two of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, skip ahead a little bit if you don't want spoilers, <laughs> figured out that Caesar Zeppeli was going to die because the Battle Tendency opening has that shot of Joseph putting on Caesar's headband, and she watched the opening over and over too many times and was like, and then suddenly it clicked and she was like, wait, now I've realized this must happen because Caesar's gonna die. And I was like, no, you could have avoided this by simply finishing Battle Tendency before, like, watching the opening sequence on repeat and overanalyzing it. <laughs> Probably the time you spent watching this opening so many times, you could have spent that time just watching the show. I know. Tragic. It's a great story. I think of this often very funny to me still all right so anything else happened i think the helicopter scene is like the end in the dub at least um the end in the sub is it does the dub have the little tease uh scene with uh, merrick for like five seconds um oh yeah i guess i didn't even consider that but true it's just like the bunch of robed guys gathered around merrick they do appear to be hovering in a purple void for some reason <laughs> but um it's you see merrick with why not millennium rod and he's like hmm so the tournament will offer me the opportunity to get the god cards. That's pretty much it. Good shit. That's the end of the episode. Do we have overall thoughts? Overall thoughts? Banger. Just like a lot of good things introduced. The new rules, we're gonna get another introduction to them, like, very slowly over the next couple episodes, but they're really good. And I think they do a pretty good job of easing in. We'll see. Um, Kaiba's fit. Amazing. More Ashizu. Amazing. Even the weird shit with Ashizu, I'm willing to forgive the dub because it's so batshit stupid. Um, and honestly, with a lot of, I'll be frank, with a lot of the ancient stuff, you have to accept the fact that it's a little inconsistent and weird and just roll with it. Yeah. Like, you just can't get caught into details. So, banger episode. I give it, like, a four out of five easy. Are there any manga differences, though, before we... They're really, really small. For the most part, this yeah. is pretty much totally faithful to the manga... The only things that I want to talk about are minor, but I think they're just fun to bring up. That's all. So yeah. one is um, the ordering of events. This isn't, like, particularly important or interesting, but in the manga, the entire, like, Kaiba testing out his new obelisk card scene comes before the entire Yami and Anzu go on a date thing. Interesting. It doesn't make any real difference that they were switched around since I think they're kind of, like, supposed to be happening around the same time. I, I'm sure it was just, like, for pacing. And also, this is not a difference. It's just a fun little note. 
but I want to note it for me. For me. Um, in the bit where Kaiba thinks about Yami during the duel against the AI, the bit in the manga includes the line, You're the only duelist that I acknowledge as a rival. Only you and I have true duelist pride. Which I think is like the moment the that coins their ship name as being pride shipping. I'm not 100% Damn. sure. Because the idea of duelist pride does get up does get brought up a lot between those two, but, like, whenever I see Kaiba say anything, that, whenever I see either of them say stuff about duelist pride, I'm like, it's pride ship. This might be the first incident, at least. That's one of the things that's fun about the ship names, is that when there's the moment, and you're like, that's the iconic moment, that's why it's called that. It's just fun to think about. Uh, and then he also says, in that scene, um, where he's like, did you feel this fear, blah, 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 he, he thinks to himself about Yami. Oh, actually, I think I accidentally skipped mentioning this in my anime recap, but it is kind of important for, like, the development of that relationship, I guess. Kind of important. I just like to overanalyze every rela- every interaction between these two because I'm obsessed with them. <laughs> Whatever. We all know this. What? My biases are showing. I'm fine. It's interesting. It's interesting. I love it. No, it is actually interesting. Um, He's thinking about what he saw on the tablet, and he says, that doesn't matter to me. I only care about the enemy that I'm facing now. And then the sort of manga only line here is where he says, is that who you are, Yugi? The embodiment of an ancient grudge seeking lost honor from the past? In that case, I'll seize the glory of the future. So he's setting up this kind of like past versus future dichotomy where he's dismissing their like past. Ooh. Ooh, I like that quite a bit. And positioning Yami as like the embodiment of the past, which I think is really interesting for reasons that I absolutely can't get into. We'll get into. I love that. Honestly, oh, I forgot. I actually forgot to mention this during the episode. I think I remember because I've actually watched some sub for these seasons. And I think his approach to a lot of the ancient Egypt stuff is very like in the sub, very dismissive, but not of its like fact he's just it's literally like he's like that doesn't matter to me like i'm focused on the here and now where in the dub he is sometimes charmingly sometimes annoyingly incredibly disrespectfully dismissive and refuses to believe and this is the first incident where he's like ishuzu showed me that hocus pocus nonsense (laughs) like mumbo jumbo about the past he does say hocus pocus which i think is funny magic is bullshit it's framed in a way where he's like, I don't believe in magic. That's fake. Whereas Kaiba, I feel like in the sub is very much more like, it just doesn't matter. Like, he's still dismissive, but he's like, who cares if it's real or not? I want to win now. I think that in a vacuum, the idea that Kaiba is like the mystic reincarnation of a powerful ancient Egyptian sorcerer who was like, fuck you, that's not relevant to me as a person, is one of the funniest things about him. <laughs> I think it's way better than being like, oh, I don't believe it's real. I think it's way better to be like, who gives a shit? Exactly. Who gives a shit? Look at my cool machine. Yeah, it doesn't affect me. Not my business. Not my business. We'll talk about this more as like other stuff comes up. But um, because I mean, Kaiba is definitely like resistant to believe in the sub and in the manga as well. You know, he's clearly very doubtful. I don't think he accepts that idea, but he's kind of like, whether or not that's true, it doesn't change what I'm going to do. Because he says, so what if, you know, that was you and I on that ancient Egyptian carving? That doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to watch the progression of Kaiba's attitude towards his reincarnated past 
work slash like the ancient Egyptian magic and stuff like that as that goes on over time. All right. Well, pretty great episode. <sighs> yeah. God, so good. Yeah. I really re- enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I think that it's cool to, to have like a, a brief duel to set up the power of the uh, God cards. And I think this does it really effectively yes. because literally Kaiba completely wipes the floor with his own, with his own blue eyes deck you just by using obelisk and not even in a particular clever interesting way or anything like that he just fucking bodies immediately (laughs) the blue Mm -hmm. eyes ultimate dragon it definitely sets up like oh these god cards are a real threat yep what does obelisk actually do in the game hang on a sec i think his thing is that he's just really powerful and that if you sacrifice two yeah. additional monsters to him, 4K, 4K. this is a spoiler though. We'll see this later. Don't don't worry about it. So here's the the last thing I wanted to talk about. Yes, I want to take a fun fact slash etymology slash just me complaining about lore sidebar to talk about the name of Ishizu's Millennium Item. Oh yeah, you you called it the Millennium Talk, and I was like, oh yeah. So in the uh, English, it's the Millennium Necklace, right? Yes. Yeah, which makes sense to me. Um, in the Japanese, it's the Millennium Talk. Uh, T-A-U-K. Taoku is what she says. And I just have a little story here, which is that that is what it's called. That's what she calls it. And for mm-hmm. many years of my life, I simply assumed, due to having read this manga as a child, that talk was just a like real word for a particular fancy type of ancient necklace or something like that. Turns out it's not. That's not a word. It's just a thing they made up for Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh my god, that's hilarious. I'm pretty sure that what the author was going for was the word torque, which is spelled like T-O-R-C in English, which if you look it up, it's a type of necklace which doesn't close at the front but does a sort of twist uh, thing. And they were known in a lot of sort of ancient cultures and the Millennium Necklace is a Torque-style necklace in, in terms of the way it, it, it sits on the neck and, and closes, if you look up Torques. Um, and they're particularly famous uh, for being worn by uh, the Gauls, like in ancient um, Roman art. If you see someone with a Torque, you know that they're Gallic. <laughs> they're, they're, they're Gaul. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this really famous statue of a sad twink uh dying uh <laughs> the dying gall statue <laughs> you may have seen this to me it has a very sort of um yeah to me it has a very like homoerotic energy but <laughs> weird i think a lot of ancient statues do who knows i think they're all a little fruity i mean a lot of them but like this one in particular there's just something about it to me <laughs> but um he is mm-hmm. iconically i remember talking about this statue in uh, an art history class and talking about how you could i you can identify it as a gull because he's wearing that torque necklace, which he's naked, like pretty much all the ancient classical statues are. So that's the the iconic piece of imagery that they put on there to show you that he's a gull. Um, but I remember when I found out that the Millennium Talk was probably supposed to actually be the Millennium Torque, but I guess Kazuki Takahashi like didn't transliterate it into like, Japanese phonetics correctly. When I found that out, I was really surprised and I was like, what the hell? This has changed me because I had literally knew what a torque was and had like learned about it in class and learned about this statue. Because at the time I was taking cl- a class on where we talked a bunch about 
like art history of ancient Roman art. <laughs> and then I found mm-hmm. this out and I was like, Viz, you've lied to me. I've always been just thought that it, that talk was a real word. <laughs> yeah. So it's just one of those little translation things that kind of drives me nuts and that I think is funny. That's all. <laughs> okay, that actually makes me feel better because like you were saying like, oh, the millennium talk. And I was like, Oh, I think that's a word. Like, I like say it was thinking of the word torque. Okay, this is actually very validating to me because I was like, oh, I don't want to come up as stupid. I just must not know that. Because I, as you can back up, I'm a big mispronouncer or misrememberer of vocabulary. So I was like, oh, it must be me. So this is very validating. I mean, I wouldn't surprise me if you had encountered the Japanese name for that. If you had encountered like Millennium Talk, like in people talking about Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff in the past and assimilated into your subconscious that way. Oh, no, no, not at all. I was not involved in the Yu-Gi-Oh! fandom at all, so no. I know, but I mean, like, you know, maybe you randomly saw it in a fanfiction or something. I didn't read Yu-Gi-Oh! fanfiction. I mean, you read Yu-Gi-Oh! fanfiction in times between, like, the beginning of your life and today when I revealed this information to you. That's probably (laughs) true. I'm not talking about, like, the deep past. I'm just talking about, like, at some point in your life, maybe you saw this term. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I think it's more of that I just assumed it was torque, but it truly does not matter. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying you're like, no, I've definitely never heard this word before ever because I've never read a Yu-Gi-Oh fanfic. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Jenny? <laughs> Anyways, I just, I think it's funny because I was like, what the fuck, Viz, you've lied to me. And maybe our listeners will find it interesting. I don't know. I think etymology is interesting. I'm not sure if, I haven't kind of decided in my brain if I feel like it should be like Millennium Torque. Or if I feel like it should mm-hmm. be Millennium Necklace, or we just accept the fact that it's, like, a fake word. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just gonna keep rolling with Necklace, but that's the benefit of being the dub person. So that's my little, uh, history thing, which... And I remember I did research on this, and Torque Necklaces are, as far as I can tell, not an authentically ancient Egyptian thing. They're, like, a little bit later than that, but close enough. They're ancient, who cares? <laughs> Hey, if they have are imbued with the power to see the future, then maybe how the Millennium Torque was crafted was they were like, oh, this is going to be really big in like a thousand years. I'm, you know? That's true. That's very true. I'm pretty sure they also didn't have keys in ancient Egypt, so... <laughs> Whatever, looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Rule of cool. Okay. Yeah, I think this is a good point to wrap up. And yeah, we can tune in next time for uh, for the true beginning of the tournament. Well, actually... Kind of. Not really, actually. Tune in next time for more shit going on. (laughs) As always. More shit going on. It's another setup episode. It's good. Not quite as good as this one. More setup, but uh, all good setup. So it's a Joey episode. I love those. Content for you. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Battle City Broads. If you have any comments, you can contact us at Battle City Broad on Twitter without the S or by emailing us at battlecitybroads at gmail.com.